Braves, Bulldogs, Falcons, Yellow Jackets, Hawks, Eagles. From the heart of Georgia, it's the Bill Shank Show. Hour number two of our broadcast. Welcome back. Thank you very much for being with us. It's the Throw Money the Bus Thursday, so later on this hour, we will throw people on the bus like the Padres for giving up eight runs to the Dodgers in their first spring training game of the year. We don't need to give the Dodgers extra confidence that they're going to be Mr. Big Shots all year long, but they may have it after this first inning. Eight nothing L.A., not good. Braves start on Saturday. Don't worry, they'll score ten in the first inning. Or if not, we're going to get the hot seat ready for Snicker. Just kidding. Let's talk a little Georgia football right now with Chip Towers from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You can read his content, of course, online at AJC.com. You can follow him on Twitter at CTowersAJC. And for some reason, you know, it's 4 o'clock on a Thursday. I I mean, your son has got to be with you, and is he driving you around right now? Yeah, uh, I I am with my son. Thanks, Bill. Yeah, we're uh, we're always together on Thursday. So please don't throw me on under the bus on your throw me under the bus Thursday. <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, it's Thursdays are are Bryson and and Chip in the bus. I guess you'd say. <laughs> exactly. There you go. Well, one of the reasons why I, I wanted to have you on today, and and I think it's great timing is as we've said for the last couple of days we're going to be honoring Claude Felton at the Georgia Sports Hall of Fame induction ceremonies he's going into the Georgia Sports Hall of Fame this weekend and I know Chip you've been around Claude forever is a member first uh, with the Athens Banner Herald and with the Atlanta Journal Constitution for many years and just your your thoughts on, on Claude I know you've got a an article coming out, I guess, later today that that uh, is going to be on AJC.com and in the paper tomorrow, I would guess, to to honor Claude and and his accomplishment of getting the Hall of Fame. Just your thoughts on on what Claude has meant to you and to the University of Georgia for four plus decades. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Bill. I, I did uh, write an article. In fact, it's it's already on AJC.com okay. and. Uh, uh, you might want to read it and check it for accuracy because there's uh, some dude named Bill Shanks quoted therein. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, uh, you and I, is, uh, as you know, we t- spoke about him uh, the other day, and it actually was just as if uh, we were just talking on another subject. And, and I asked you if I could quote you on something you said about Claude. So obviously, you know, we, we both know, and so many people know who Claude is, uh, uh, as you'll read in that story. Um uh, you know, Josh Brooks talked about, you know, there's, there's, you know, few people in the business that you can refer to by one name and Claude is, is one of those, you know, everybody just knows Claude. Uh, some people don't even really know exactly what he does. He's, they just know he's Claude and he does a lot and he does, uh, he's, uh, you know, technically most people refer to him as a sports information director, but that title does very little to encompass all he is and all he's meant to the university and uh you know over the years and and i've worked there for 45 years so yeah he goes back to my banner herald days really i first met claude when i was attending the university of georgia and and writing for the red and black and and um and you know uh uh 
he's still going to be around, uh, as I found out. I mean, he's not, I mean, he's not working at, at University of Georgia and he's not going to be showing up at his, you know, incredible, you know, museum of an office at Buttsmere Heritage Hall. Um, but he is, uh, you know, still going to be around a little bit, helping him in football and various other things. And I, I think you'll see him, you know, Claude has been the uh, moderator for the final four press conferences forever. I don't mm-hmm. know how long he's done that. So he's still going to do that kind of thing. So he's still going to be dabbling and in it. But, uh, you know, at the end of it, uh, you know, Claude was, you know, just so much more than a sports communications director. He was a trusted advisor for – Greg McGarity and Vince Dooley before him, and and um, uh, and as, if you look at the people who've come through Claude's office, I mean guys like Jeff Hunley, the CEO of the Sugar Bowl, and Jared Binko down there at Georgia Southern as the athletic director. Um, all of those guys, in most cases, started as a student assistant or or intern or you know part timer or, or full timer in Claude's office, and uh, so. Yeah, his tentacles uh, uh, reach all over the place, and he's uh, had quite an effect not just on the University of Georgia, but really even down to the Hall of Fame that he's going to be inducted in on sure. on this weekend. No question, no question about that. Uh, so, so many people have 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 heard me speak about him. They're listening to you now, and they're like, "Okay, he's good at his job." There's no question. He he's better at his job than anybody I know that's had a job in the state of Georgia as a sports information director or PR director, whatever you want to call him, media relations director. But do you agree it's the helpful attitude and approach and ally that he's been to all of us in the media to help deliver the message to the fans of University of Georgia sports that has, has made him stand above everyone else yeah that you know that's the thing about claude uh that is probably the most amazing i touch on this in the story and uh it was one of those stories you can appreciate this bill as a former writer uh it was a magnus opus when i filed it i don't know what the final (laughs) version will look like but you know when you get into a guy like claude and i've been kind of collecting quotes and anecdotes for a long time but the amazing thing about him, just think about all the uh, turmoil that he has weathered as the, you know, as the primary spokesperson for the University of Georgia, going all the way back to, you know, the Jan Kemp scandal, um, you know, to, you know, NCAA investigations of the 1990s and into the 2000s, uh, most, you know, recently the, you know, double fatality accident, through it all, you know, he's just done an unbelievable job of standing as that uh, bridge between media and the institution. And to come out of 45 years of that and have, as far as I can tell, zero enemies Mm. uh, tells you about, you know, his ability to balance those, those in. And and if you read his story, part of this, you'll get as well in the story is, is knowing his background. I mean, he was a journalist first, you know, he, he went to uh, University of Georgia, uh, Henry W. Grady Journalism School, got a master's there, um, actually worked in PR at Georgia Southern. He was a newspaper guy, though he said he was more of a copy boy uh, at the Savannah <laughs> Morning News, where he's from. Um, and so, you know, newspapers were were, were where he started. And, you know, 
he's a guy who totally appreciates two things, objectivity and truth. So as long as you're operating in the area of object, objectivity and truth, uh, he's going to be okay with you. Um, and if you're, if you're out of those lines, he's just got that gift for the last thing you ever wanted to hear from Claw was you got something wrong. Mm. Um, you know, but he didn't just blast you like some, uh, SIDs you and I, I'm sure both the court, mm-hmm. uh, encountered <laughs> over the years, you know, uh, you know, he tended to have that little sniff, you know, that he did like, uh, you know, are you are you sure that's right? You know, and uh, uh, if it's not, what are we going to do about it? Right? You know, I mean, he just was he was great about that. And but he would at the forefront do everything he could good, do to give you all the information you could possibly have to be right in the first place, and sort of trained you up that way. You know, Slayball and I have talked about it over the years. Uh, you know, we were both kind of weaned on him, uh, Mark Slayball, and, and mm-hmm. so you know last. Last thing you wanted to do was be called in either Coach Dooley or or, or Claude Felton's office for something, um, because you knew you know it, it reached a level that that they felt like it needed to be addressed. Otherwise, they were there to serve. Yeah, uh, definitely a, a loyal servant is Claude Felton. No question, and and just the the helpful approach, which uh, again, folks, in the media don't always get that. A lot of people in Claude's position now whether it's a college program or a professional team are are more gatekeepers uh than anything else they they are 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 more cautious in trying to make sure the university or the team is protected and the heck with you but uh, claude struck that balance i think that just uh, allowed you to get what you needed to do to do for your job and and yet sure he's going to protect the university he's going to do everything he can to make sure what you're writing and doing is truthful but to do it in a professional way where it's almost like if if we would have made a mistake it would have been more hurtful to us that claude would have looked down on us because of the way we all respected him and and then and that's just so unusual for i mean i know it's hard for non people who are are not in our business or and have not dealt with him to understand but it's 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 so appreciated by all of us who have the job of giving the message to the fans which is important yeah it's real important and and claude uh, uh realized the importance of that both both inside you know butts mayor heritage all and outside of it and uh so that's that that's kind of where he operated from um and you know it's 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 going to be really interesting because the job has changed so profoundly for him too like it is all of us in the media i mean everything's changed and they do so much in-house now i mean like georgia football has an entire division uh of people who kind of just get the word out uh on social media the graphics people the social media team um, you know, the, 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 uh, uh, you know, player, um, connection and everything. And, and, and then, so to see it, Claude used to handle all of that. And like I said before, um, you know, I, I would say coach Dooley the most, but even, um, but even, uh, Greg McGarity leaned on him hard when it came to, as a member of the senior administrative staff on, you know, personnel and decisions, there was a time there. Uh, I would say Claude was maybe the most powerful man in, in, in Georgia athletics. And to some extent, maybe still is in a lot of ways, because like the broadcast people, I mean, I didn't even get into 
the broadcast people, but, you know, television broadcast, radio broadcast, these people bow at his feet, you know, because uh, he was just, you know, so um, careful to get them everything they need uh, uh, and everything they wanted in advance of a broadcast, during a broadcast, and after a broadcast. So they all know, you know, the CBS executives, the ESPN executives, Greg Sankey, um, you know, uh, just everybody at the um, highest levels were dependent on him. And uh, so going forward is going to be real interesting, and I touch on this some as well. What What's the – we know what his legacy is going to be, but who is going to succeed him? Is anybody going to succeed him? Hmm. Uh, just look right there. If you think about on his staff, uh, so Tim Hicks just retired last year, and I think he was with Claude for 38 years, maybe mm-hmm. 40. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you still have Christopher Lakos, who does such a fantastic job with baseball, mm-hmm. and Mike Mobley. Both of them have been over 30 years in a business where nobody hangs around. Leland Barrow has been there nearly 20 years, I think. Uh, he's just a guy you want to work for. But uh, now they've the last for the last several years they've actually had somebody over him, which is kind of a joke, right? Uh, yeah. There was uh, a woman who's since left and gone back to Texas before that, and now Stephen Drummond, a great guy, very deferential to Claude. Uh, he came from the uh, uh, Carolina Panthers, and and you know he said, you know, he told me he said, hey, I just try to get out of Claude's way. <laughs> um, but you know, ultimately he's going to have to decide what that department looks like post-Claude, yeah, right, in the era PC. Right. And uh, and we don't, nobody really knows what that looks like. But Claude's going to be around. He's still living here in Athens. He likes uh, deep sea fishing, you know, uh, ocean fishing. Mm-hmm. So I think he's going to get down there every once in a while to, to Savannah and try to do that. But, you know, how he can't get up at his western Athens home and get in the car, his car, he probably that drives itself through the Butts Bear building. That's going to be a real shift change for everybody involved, Claude um, foremost. Well, I'm glad to hear he's going to be around the football. I can't imagine walking in even to our new press box and not having him. I always used to, every year, first game for the kickoff, I'd, I'd go shake his hand. I just, it was like yeah. a, it was a thing for me, not for him, but I would just find him and, you know, almost say happy new season, Claude, you know, and, and uh, just because he's he's been there. And I'm, I'm just so glad we're going to honor him. I'm so happy that that's happening. And, and I, I think every every media member in this state uh, could, could uh, if they could be there, would, would give him a standing ovation for what he's done for all of us and, and, and just what he's done for the University of Georgia as well. Well, I'll definitely and check out the article. It is online, AJC.com. Georgia's Claude Felton takes rightful place in State Hall of Fame. I encourage everyone to go and check it out. Chip Towers is with us from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Uh, Chip, a couple of football things while we've got you here. Um, it doesn't sound like it's official yet that Del McGee is going to leave to go to Georgia State, but it's very loudly rumored that – this is going to happen if they can agree to terms. That would be the second member of Kirby Smart's staff that he would have to, to replace with Brian McClendon gone to the NFL here a couple of days ago. Um, those are two great great recruiters, but I said earlier, it, while it's two great recruiters for Kirby Smart to replace, you got to kind of bow to Kirby and say, well, he knows what he's doing in replacing these coaches. He's done it so well before. But th- this this will be two guys that will be difficult to replace, won't it? 
Yeah, I mean, it's always hard. And, and I, you know, I think that probably goes under the radar most of the time is um, Kirby's ability to retain staff in the wake of national championships. I mean, even Coach Saban was, was retooling, seemed like, every year, especially after a national championship, because that makes it more attractive, um, you know, to everybody else. And, you know, uh, and Brian McClendon and Dale McGee, you know, on a personal level, there's two people that are nobody's more deserving than them of, of head coaching opportunities. So there's nothing I've, I've seen a little bit of panic among the Bulldog Nation and on social media and stuff. And it's like, look, you know, and, and this really I don't think this is running from NIL and Transfer Portal either, uh, especially in the case of Brian McClendon. Brian McClendon is a guy who deserves a chance to be a head coach. In fact, he is. He was a head coach. He was interim head coach uh, between Mark Rick and, <laughs> and right. Kirby Smart, and led them to a victory in the Gator Bowl. That's right. Claude Felton, you know, dutifully notes in the Georgia Media Guide. He's, <laughs> he's not going to miss something like that. So he corrected me talking about. I said, "Well, you know, you've been with six head coaches." He corrected me. He said, "No, seven. He said I was actually at the press conference for Glenn Mason, and I was like." <laughs> Again, alluding to that accuracy, God, you're right. You know, that's awesome. awesome. Uh, yeah, and uh, so anyway, uh, but Brian McClendon is the guy who deserves it. He's done everything he can do. He's had every assistant, associate head coach, passing game coordinator, offensive coordinator. You know, there's just nowhere else for him to go. So getting some NFL on his resume should help that. Dale McGee's been lo- looking to be a head coach for a long time. Great head coach at Harvard, Columbus. Yeah. For a long, long time, I, I, you know, I haven't been able to unequivocally uh, confirm, and we at the AJC, we're not, we're not going to report it until we can, but he's going to be uh, the guy at Georgia State. It certainly looks like that. Dale hadn't responded to me, Georgia State. People know I, I know over there um, aren't responding yet, but I wouldn't be surprised. I may be surprised just on the level that that would be the first one he took. But, you know, he's been frustrated in his ability, and, and I think it's frustrating in college athletics, for people like uh, Brian McClendon and Dale McGee, um, uh, you know, of minority coaches, such as they're called, mm-hmm. of getting their chances, at, you know, at a high enough level. And so if this is where it has to be for Dale McGee, I certainly understand it. He's worked for so long, and at such a high level that he can give this a shot. If it doesn't work out, you know, he can always come back um, to the to the Division One game uh, and be a high-level recruiter and coordinator, uh, or uh, it may work fantastically, and and then a lot of people will be regretting not hiring Dale McGee sooner. Uh, no question. I'm looking forward to seeing if he, he can close that deal and become the head coach there and what he can do. He's uh, he's done a great job at Georgia, and you're right. He's, he's ready to kind of move up. You know, a, 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 about the McClendon situation, um, and this will be the final question, and we'll let you go. Adam Schefter of, of ESPN had a tweet this morning. Is another, I can't remember who it was, another college coach left to go to the NFL. We've seen it happen a couple of times. The Boston College head coach left to go uh, to the NFL, to the Green Bay Packers. Uh, you know, we've, we've seen head coaches in college become assistant coaches. Are, are we seeing more frustration with the job in college football and everything that's going on to where this is going to be commonplace here moving forward until there are some kind of regulations or rails put back on the, on the staircase here. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I want to reiterate, I don't think that's why Brian McClendon left. Sure. Sure. Oh yeah. Um, it's my understanding. It's not, but you, yeah. yes. I mean, it's why a lot of people 
I mean, keep an eye on Kirby Smart at some point. Uh, you remember the uh, former Georgia assistant coach, John Lilly, uh, uh-huh. tight ends coach. I remember talking to him. He's been in the NFL uh, behind the scenes and as assistant coach and supporting everything for a while now. And, and he talked about just what a better quality of life it is. And, uh-huh. and, and college has only gotten worse. Uh, it's ridiculous, really. They've got to reset the calendar. And I think part of this Big Ten SEC consortium um, has to do with the eventual breaking off of the uh, major college football powers to be able to get their arms around uh, both NIL and transfer portal. It can't exist like it is. It's killing the coaches. Uh, yeah. And it's just going to be a matter of time before one of them just has a massive heart attack on the practice field or more pro- more likely probably during recruiting season. Mm. Um, it's just too much. Even though you know they'll argue the compensation, and they're well compensated. Uh, the TV networks have required that. But this is the arena they're operating in, and it's a little bit out of hand right now. And you're going to see more and more. So it, it's about the ability to – not everybody's going to be able to make that transition to the NFL because it's the not-for-long league. You don't get there unless you know what you're doing. So the fact that Brian McClendon got this opportunity, I think, is more about him taking an opportunity like his good friend Thomas Brown, and for, you know, former teammate, sure. and, and be able to um, – show that you can succeed on the highest level of football for your resume more than anything else. But there's also people that will probably be seeking solace if they can get it from the NFL. Yeah, I I think you're right. I'm so glad that Brian's going to do his thing, and I I know it's not got anything to do with what we're talking about here, but it's still – I don't know how these coaches are doing it right now, and I pray to God that doesn't happen, but I I don't know how they do it. I mean, I don't know where the downtime is, and we know for someone like Kirby Smart – it's limited downtime anyway, but Chip, uh, they probably think, can I afford to have downtime with this schedule? That's why there's got to be something, whether it's Saban doing something to convince people or or whatever, well, whoever, whatever, just do it to find some type of, of way for these coaches because I, I don't know how they do it. I mean, I work hard, you yeah. work hard, but my gosh, those coaches are – I don't know how they do it. I just repeat well, that. You have to wake up in the morning and be somewhere right away, and then you've got to, you know uh, – you're moving around all the yeah. time between these camps and recruiting visits, and um, it's just crazy. I mean, I remember, uh, again, Coach Lilly talking about his phone just would never stop, and he's just trying to be with his kids, yeah. right? It just doesn't stop. And, uh, you know, eventually you just got to turn it off. But, if you know, Kirby doesn't turn his off because he's afraid that he's going to miss that call from that five-star. <laughs> uh, and very best, very understanding, but it's a difficult proposition, and, and – uh, uh, you, you, I'd say I feel sorry for these guys. They weren't making like Kirby thirteen and a half million dollars last year. Um, but you know the reality is, you love your kids, and and time is uh, they they're not making any more of that, Bill. No, they're not. And you know what? If they drop dead, then that thirteen million is not going to anybody. So that's the no. that's the scary part. And you just you don't want that to happen. But it's it seems inevitable with the schedule that some many of these guys have, and I hope it doesn't happen for sure. Well, Chip, thanks for being with us. Always great to have you on. We'll probably check in with you when we get going with with spring football here, which will be right around the corner. But uh, I can't wait to read the full piece on Claude. Thank you for doing that and honoring him. And it's always great to have you on the show. Thank you, Chip. See you, pal. All right. Chip Towers at C Towers AJC. Again, go on AJC.com. Great piece. He's got it looks like. I've been reading it kind of as going along here on 
Claude Felton, who is the Georgia Sports Information Director, going into the Georgia Sports Hall of Fame this weekend. Right now, let's open up the phone line. Jerry, code 478-646-ESPN, 646-3776. It is a throw them under the bus Thursday. You can throw the Los Angeles Dodgers under the bus and everybody who cheers for them. <clears throat> not going to mention any names, Ken, from coming, but we uh, baseball's back. It's 8 nothing still Dodgers in the fourth inning. I ought to turn this, shouldn't I? I'm getting depressed. We'd love to talk sports with you. Georgia Tech fans, I heard from uh, two of them there with Alex and with Dino on Twitter. Love to hear from you your thoughts about what Damon Stoudemire had to say about his basketball team. We can talk Braves. We can talk Falcons quarterback situation. Onyeka Kongwu's out for the Hawks. That's not good news as they get back going tomorrow night against Toronto to start the second part of the season. So we've got plenty to talk about. We'll take a break, come back. And back with more sports talk right after this. Thank goodness the Dodgers just gave up a run. It's eight to one. Somebody on San Diego hit a home run. We are talking sports here on this Thursday afternoon. We appreciate you being with us. Phone lines are open four seven eight six four six ESPN. Let's go to my good friend Murray Poole, who's calling from Brunswick, a great longtime sports editor of the Brunswick News, and of course, many years with Bulldog Illustrated. It's great to hear from you. How are you? Good, Bill. How you doing? I'm great. I'm great. I just heard uh, Chip's uh, interview about Claude, and I just want to uh, echo that. I tell you, you know, I guess I go back about as long with Claude as anybody, Bill. I've 1966 covering the dogs you know from then on and uh of course i was get i had to get dan mcgill to get me in the press box a lot of years the late <laughs> 60s early 70s you know then i said well maybe nobody's going to take his place but man when we got claude felton we had something that uh he made the transition so smoothly and everything people could say about this guy's good uh, bill i don't believe i believe it's safe to say that he may be the biggest unsung hero in the history of the georgia athletic department would you echo that oh I'd yeah say, Yes, absolutely, uh, and I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad that Chip said that about how Claude was probably one of the more powerful people in the University of Georgia Athletic Association because I think because of how especially Coach Dooley and Greg McGarity didn't rely on him. I'm sure Josh Brooks has had to rely on him, and I mean, why wouldn't you? Right? He's just he's been there so long. You have to respect that and his manner and his knowledge. It would be silly not to, wouldn't it? That's for sure. And, and all the responsibilities he had, Bill, did you ever see him get exasperated? I don't think I ever did, uh, no. flustered or, or about anything. I tell you, he was just, the way he handled things, and of course, his emotion, it didn't matter if Georgia was winning the national championship or, or getting blown out of a game. I never saw him show much emotion in the press box. I mean, he just handled everything as his cool, claw felt in the manner. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. No question. I mean, it, it's one thing to simply be a mild-mannered person but still, in any job, you have pressures, you have things come up, you have stuff hitting the fan. It, it, you know, work is hard sometimes. But I, I don't think I ever saw him do anything but run around doing his job and doing it the best he could and helping everybody he could. I mean, it's incredible. It's, it's, uh, it's uh, unmatched in our business. And you and I both know, I mean, not everybody's like that in those positions, are they? That's for sure. Nobody I've been around in all these years. And uh, let me tell you, you know, when I retired my last season covering the dogs after 54 years, 2019, well, 
about mid-season, Claude kept telling me, uh, well, if you don't come to any other press conferences, and, of course, I'm 250 miles away from the, day, the weekly press conferences here from Brunswick, you know, mm-hmm. in Athens uh, each uh, Monday, you know, with, with the coaches. And so he said, you just need to be at the Texas A&M press conference on that Monday, you know, with Coach Smart and everything. So, well, uh, I made a point to be there. I had no idea what he was going to do. He knew I was probably my last year, though, and uh, so see what he was cooking up. But I got in there and uh, sitting there with all the beat writers, and here comes Claude out, followed by Coach Kirby Smart and uh, Kirby carrying a, a red Georgia game jersey, you know. Well, sure enough, Kirby called me up and talked about it and everything, and Claude talked, and then they gave me that jersey, a special gift with 54 on the back, you know, the red home jersey, and uh, 54 years on the back, and with my name, 54 years on the front, my name on the back. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was just a thrill, I tell you. The, and all the beat writers were there, and I think the last thing I said to Claude, I mean, I said on the, up on the podium with Kirby, I said, isn't Claude Felton the greatest uh, sports information director in the United States? And, <laughs> and you ought to have heard the media clapping, all the beat writers, uh, Bill, oh, yeah. I tell you, they realized what they had, and there was no doubt in his uh, greatness in his field, and that's why he's in several Hall of Fames, why I'm so tickled to see him going in uh, Saturday night in Macon, you know. Oh, absolutely. No, th- look, um, there have been several of the Braves who were awful, I'll just be totally honest with you, who were just not good. And uh, a couple in particular who were just not good. And I remember one time talking to Claude and saying, Claude, could you call the Braves and tell them how to do their job? (laughs) Because they just, they were just really not doing a very good job. And, you know, the Hawks have one guy in particular who's been there for 30 years now, John Steinberg, who is outstanding. The Falcons have had a revolving door really over the years. Uh, they used to have Charlie Dayton. I know you know uh, Charlie Taylor, rather, which I know you, you probably remember Charlie, but it, it's just not a position that uh, has longevity to it. But you're able to stay in a place that long because you're good at it. And he was just as good as anybody. It's it's incredible. But uh, so glad you shared your, your thoughts uh, about Claw. That's special. And Miss Senior Murray, when I come down to Brunswick, I'm going to call you. We're going to go to we're going to go to Marsine and get some spanky spuds. Okay. That sounds good. And the last thing I want to say, though, is, you know, it didn't matter if you were the uh, smallest weekly paper in Georgia or Claude was lining the CBS national guys up for a broadcast. He treated everybody equally, and he did his best to accommodate everything they wanted to do. And there's just not many like him, and uh, he's a great guy, and he he couldn't be more proud of him going into the State Hall of Fame. Absolutely. Murray, thanks so much for calling. I appreciate you saying that. We'll, We'll hope to see you soon, okay? Thank you. Okay. All right, Murray Poole, the great Murray Poole, who was for years the sports editor of the Brunswick News, and then, of course, you probably read him in Bulldog Illustrated for many years as well. So we appreciate Murray chiming in on on the great Claude Felton. Let's go to Jeremy in Memphis next. How are you? Doing good, Bill. I want to talk about the Falcons, but before I do, I want to say, man, Charlie Condon, Bill, he is just ridiculously good. He's in, he's in um, I think it's – um. What it seven seventy one right now? Um, <laughs> no, seven fourteen. Seven fourteen. Okay, <laughs> and he's and he's his own base percentage is eight hundred. I, mean, I know he's he's special, and every mock draft I look at has him in the top five, and even sometime in the top three. So I think he's going to be uh, just a high draft pick. And I, I tell you though, uh, you know, to surround him with some of these other kids 
as well, it's going to be fun to see how good this offense may be because when you have a star like that, just like the Braves with Ron Acuna, it, you build around that. And, and so he's he's an unbelievable talent. It looks like they've got a good one here, and I'm glad he came back to help Coach Johnson have a centerpiece of this year's team for the Dogs. Yeah, yeah. Slate Alford's done a great job at the leadoff yep. spot. You, he's a guy at State last year. Alford, um, he was yeah. was horrible in the field, just horrible in the field. And, and he had a decent bat, but he's really swung the bat well. I don't think he's made an error so far this year. And um, hopefully Alford can keep it going. Um, but we'll see he's off to a hot start. But, yeah, I mean, I just – it's just like a lot of people – I think I think it, he's already got five walks this year and hit by – Hit hit by a pitch, Condon. I mean, people just don't even want to pitch to him. I I think, if I'm not mistaken, he came up with bases all the one time, one of these games, and I think he got walked. I mean, they weren't intentionally, but they weren't pitching him, you know, much. They were kind of, you know, kind of trying to walk him, but trying to see if he'd nibble on the outside corner. I think he had bases loaded. I think he walked on the bases loaded. Of the situation, but they just did not want to pitch to him. No, they're going to, they're going, to, they're not going to want to pitch that guy. He's just a, a great offensive talent for sure. And you know, but I, I love the fact that they, they shut Georgia State out the other night. That's a good sign because we know how many issues they've had with that pitching staff over the last couple of years. That's a great sign, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So the bullpen's doing well, and the starting pitcher's doing well. Layden Finley, the guy who pitches on Sunday. He had four innings and five Ks his first outing. He pitched in the Cape last year, did really good. He's a sophomore. I think he's he's definitely a major league pitcher. He's really good. I don't expect him to stay on the sunny spot. He probably moves to Friday or Saturday soon. But Layden Finley, keep that name in mind. Okay. He's a very, very good pitcher. Yeah, that's good. Well, it's great to see them off to a good start, no matter who the opponent was. And, you know, hopefully they'll continue this weekend and just uh, get into conference play and do well and – you know, take a next step up. It's it's not going to happen overnight. But, you know, the thing is with the transfer portal, even for baseball, we don't talk about as much for baseball as we do for football. But you can take a, a big leap up. How much? Again, we won't know until they get into conference play. And this conference is so ridiculously good. But still, it's a great start for the dogs. Yeah, and Chase Burns, the pitcher, maybe the best pitcher, so one of the top pitchers in the nation, he went to Wake Forest, but he transferred from Tennessee. And last year he was down to Wake in Georgia. And Georgia thought they were going to get him. He did chose Wake, but one reason he had George on the on this list was because of West Johnson. If West could have landed Chase Burns, this team could have really gone a long ways. But those are the kind of people I think West is going to get in future these elite pitchers because they know that he could he can really coach up pitching. I don't I know why any pitching prospect wouldn't look at Georgia with West Johnson there now. I mean, I I agree. I think he's he's going to be able to attract some really good arms to this program moving forward. Yeah, yeah, and then as far as the Falcons go, so, so a couple of things. First of all, it, I would be shocked at this point if Atlanta doesn't trade for Justin Fields. It looks like, and I guess, I guess a couple of things. That first of all, I hope we don't mortgage the farm to get him. And secondly, uh, obviously the only bad thing about signing him is you're going to have to pay him because he's gone through the cheap years already. But hopefully, he'll give Atlanta a hometown hometown discount since he's from Atlanta because you can't really. I mean, I almost give him a billion dollars, but they're going to have to pay him something. And then I heard yesterday somebody suggested that, that um, Jake Matthews and, and Grady, they may have to try to restructure their deals to maybe free up some more money. And the thing is, I don't like restructuring deals, Bill, but that gets you into trouble. And that kicks money, mm-hmm. kicks the can down the road. 
Yeah. I wanted to trade Jake Matthews two years ago and get something for him, and now obviously can't get anything for him. But I wanted him to want to trade him two years ago. I wanted to trade Grady Jarrett too a couple of years ago, but they might start restructuring some contracts too, and I, I don't like that idea. Well, I didn't really. I wasn't really thrilled that they re-signed Grady, but I think they were in a position where they needed some anchor, you know. And and even though Grady may be on the back end of his of his career, they needed someone to simply kind of. I mean, again, to use the word anchor the whole defense around someone who's been there for a while. Uh, Jesse Bates may be able to do that now, but still, I think Grady's just with his longevity. It's easy to to think he can it can be that piece for this team. So. We'll see. I mean, there's no question the, the the Justin Fields thing is going to continue, and and I I rather it be a third round pick than than a second round pick. But uh, we'll have to see. We'll have to see what they are able to do. Pittsburgh evidently backed off of Justin Fields. So what's the market for him? If it's not Pittsburgh, I know the Raiders were mentioned, I believe, as a possibility, but it it may be Atlanta. You don't want them to bid against themselves, right? Well, and see, I, that's what scares me, Bill. I, I think Pittsburgh backed out because of, I think, what Chicago's asking for him. And so my thing is, I think Atlanta be stupid enough to give them what they want, which would be too much. So yeah. that scares me. When teams are backing out of the Justin Fields sweet state, that, to me, indicates that the that the Bears want too much for him. And we'll be the team stupid enough to give him a whole, whole bunch of draft picks. Probably. Well, I hope so not. That, I hope, I hope Terry Fontenot can – can hold off. I mean, he he doesn't have a whole lot of leverage because everybody in the world knows he needs a quarterback. So we'll we'll see what he does. Jeremy, thank you very much for your call. We appreciate it. Four seven eight six four six ESPN is the number. If you want to throw any member of Archie Manning's family under the bus, any New Orleans Saints fan, or anyone else that uh, pisses you off, like the Dodgers, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to talk sports with you. You can talk. Braves baseball, Georgia baseball, football, anything on your mind, back right after this. We're back on the show. It's uh, 446 here on this Friday afternoon, and the phone lines are open if you'd like to join us here to talk sports, 478-646-ESPN. Uh, Steve on uh, Twitter messaged me, and and uh, I was I was going to mention this. I'll mention it now. If you've not heard, uh, since we were talking obviously a little UGA earlier in the hour, there has been a student found dead on the campus of the University of Georgia this afternoon, and the student's name has not been released, but the student was found with visible injuries after a friend called to report the person had not returned from a run. And the GBI, athens Clark County Police, have uh, started the investigation. Obviously, they do suspect foul play is involved. And classes have been canceled for tonight, and no classes will be held either on Friday. Classes are expected to be uh, resuming on Monday. Second death on campus less than 24 hours. Foul play was not suspected in the death of a student late on Wednesday. So... Obviously, whenever anything like this happens, I remember when I was in Athens, there was someone killed on the highway between Athens and Greensboro, and you know it just does kind of shake you up a little bit, particularly for those who had to had to travel on that road going home. And um, so, anyway, yeah, we're thinking about all those folks in Athens, all the students there. Please just be aware of that, and hopefully, um, it was evidently around Lake Herrick. Uh, 
where the body was found. So um, uh, not good news out of Athens for sure. 478-646-ESPN is the number to call. We are talking sports. And uh, I wanted to try to find more information on the Hawks and the Kongwu. The um, word today is that he is going to be out for a little while. I don't know when the Hawks resume play tomorrow what the status of Clint Capella is going to be, but a Kongwu is going to be out for the foreseeable future is what they are calling with a toe injury. And this was uh, Quinn Snyder after practice earlier today. Uh, he's not going to be available for the foreseeable future because of a sprained left toe. Snyder's announcement was a surprise following initial expectations that Kongwu would miss a week to 10 days. So Capella has missed the last six games himself with a left abductor strain. The Hawks believe that Capella might return for Friday's game against Toronto, but is not expected to immediately be ready to assume his normal share of minutes. With a Congo out and Capella not doing very well, Bruno Fernando could be getting more playing time than you really would like for him to see, but that's just the way it is. And injuries are such a part of the NBA. It's so hard to have depth for big big guys especially. Capella's just not been healthy, and um, I, I don't know what the Hawks are going to be able to expect when he gets back, to be honest with you. Hawks are 24-31 and 31 after 55 games, so they have, what, about uh, about uh, 27 games left in the season. They're 10th place in the Eastern Conference, and they uh, obviously do not want to fall out of that last playoff spot, but um, Hawks are going to be undermanned with that situation with a Kongu out. It's just not a good situation. They they struggled last week with the issues of the height disadvantage they were in with the Kongu being out and Capella as well. So hopefully uh, they'll get Capella back and he'll be able to help the situation to a certain extent. But not good news for the Hawks who need a good second half of, or part of the season to, number one, get into a better playoff position. And number two, uh, to avoid just a total embarrassment, if you ask me, I think it's, I think it has been a total embarrassment for the Atlanta Hawks to have this kind of talent and to not be able to have uh, a better season. It's just really surprising for a lot of people who had high expectations this year for the Hawks, who thought, okay, Quinn Snyder's the coach. We can't blame Nate McMillan anymore. Uh, let Let's see what he can do. Let's see if if Quinn Snyder can kind of bring out the best in Trey Young and in DeJounte Murray. Murray's having his best year. They just can't win. I mean, just, at some point, you got to expect wins. And when you're seven games under 500, it's it's pretty disappointing. And uh, so, anyway, uh, we'll see what the second part of the season holds when they start tomorrow against Toronto. And uh, you can hear that uh, game here on the Superstation. So, uh, that's the Hawks situation, and, and uh, they've just totally, uh, I, th- I think they've lost people, which uh, I've almost had to apologize at times on my own show for talking Hawks basketball, but I am a Hawks fan, and they are our NBA team here in the state of Georgia. They just don't have a whole lot of following right now because they don't win. And, you know, as old Ernie Johnson said back 50 years ago, the best promotion in the world is winning. you got to win to have people come to your ballpark or stadium or arena or whatever you have, and the Hawks aren't doing it.
and we really can't see we really, we really can't see the upper deck in Phillips or rather uh, uh, State Farm Arena because they have the lights out so dark up there. I'd be afraid to go up there for crying out loud and and watch a game. It's so dark, but that's what they do in the NBA now. They just turn the lights out so you can't see the crowds. And it's uh, I guess the Lakers started that the first time and and probably so you couldn't see all the celebrities, even though most of them are on the front row, but. I don't know what kind of crowds the Hawks are getting right now. They don't seem to be that great. And why would you go see a team and they're not winning? I don't I, I don't think the ownership, and we talked about this a little bit with Jason Walker on Tuesday as far as the issues with the owner, Tony Rester, and why he's not been more proactive to go over the the luxury tax. Well, your team's not any good. Well, why should we go over the luxury tax? Well, to make your team better. It's kind of simplistic, isn't it? And when they traded away Kevin Herter a few years ago, that was a very big red flag of, well, I don't think this is going to be too good if you're giving Kevin Herter away and he was a valuable piece of your puzzle when you went all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals. So it's um, it's got Hawks fans who may have jumped on the bandwagon in 2021 jumping off because nobody wants to watch a loser. It's kind of the way it is. And so... It's a shame. It really is a shame after almost having captured a lot of people with what they did in that playoff run with beating Philadelphia and beating New York and playing Milwaukee about as tough as we ever could have expected them to. And then all of a sudden, they've gone backwards. They're under 500 since that playoff series, mainly because of this year, but they've been a uh, a 500 team last year, and before that they were four games over 500. So overall, in the two and a half seasons since that playoff run where they went deep, they haven't done squat. Well, that's not a way to keep fans. It's not going to happen. So anyway, it's disappointing for those of us who like the team. And again, now with the big people out, Kongwu and Capella not doing very well, you don't have a whole lot of confidence in their ability to do something fun and exciting like Go on a run here in the second part of the season. I don't have any confidence in that. That's for that's for damn sure. So, anyway, we'll see. We'll see what they can come up with for the rest of this season and how they can hopefully get on track to at least finish strong and give us some hope because right now there's not a whole heck of a lot of hope for the Atlanta Hawks. That's what's kind of depressing about it. All right, phone lines are open for the 5 o'clock hour, 478-646-3776. We can talk Braves baseball. They start on start on Saturday. What are your thoughts? What are you going to be looking out for this team for this spring? Let's talk some Braves baseball. We can talk football, the potential loss of Del McGee, and, of course, Brian McClendon already needing to be replaced on the Georgia staff. What do you think about that, Bulldog fans? 478-646-ESPN. You can also go on Twitter, at Bill Shanks. We'll take a break and be back with more sports talk on this Thursday edition of the Bill Shanks Show. 